Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Pellerin. I'll go ahead and uh, start with an apology for being a little late. Busy weekend for myself and our guests coming up here in a second this week. Forced us to slide the recording back to Monday, but we're still meeting our goal of getting you an episode every week. And honestly, this is probably going to be posted on Monday anyway. So I won't take your complaints, but uh, I'll apologize regardless. I've got a pretty cool show for you this week, I think. And uh, hopefully for the next several weeks, this one's going to be focused on the FSU softball team. And, well, I mean, I'll call it what it is, an absolutely dominant season as they hope to reach OKC for the fourth time in the last, last six years. Um, that'll mean no Max or John this week. I get on the week off because I went to the experts, grabbed one of our very talented Tomahawk Nation softball writers in Gren, Gwen Rhodes. See, I butchered it right off the jump. <laughs> hey, okay. Gwen. Thanks for jumping hey. on. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, so I, FSU softball. Yeah, exactly, and I'll, I'll make it real hard for you because I'm such a professional. But no, I mean, you know, I think we've got a pretty simple goal here of postseasons here. Uh, ACC tournament starts this week, and we'll get to that in a bit. But you know, I think we want to help the casual fan get caught up on the team if you're just arriving for this weekend or, or regionals coming up, and if you're a diehard, I think we'll hopefully have enough information for you here to keep you entertained, keep you listening, and. and get you informed when you start talking to your friends about what's going on. Part of the reason that we're taping today was uh, my fault. Uh, wife and I were in Disney until late last night, so apologies for that. But it was also because you were traveling back from covering the team in Raleigh this weekend, a, a nice series sweep for them in an impressive fashion as they closed out a 49-5 and five season. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I give you a very easy question here to start it off. 
how are they so good? I think one thing when people look at FSU is the pitching. Like it's always been dominant pitching, whether it's been Lacey Waldrop or Megan King or Jessica Burroughs in the past. And this year we have Catherine Sandercock, like we had her last year, and she just picked up right where she left off from last season. And we also have Danielle Watson, who was really good last year. And we also brought in Mac Leonard from Illinois State, who is a two-way player. And she's really helped solidify the third pitcher that we've needed, especially going into the postseason. And then um, on the offensive side, of course, we have Sydney Sherrill. Her numbers are a little bit down this year, but I think in the postseason, she's really starting to click again, especially going into the tournament. Um, Kaylee Mudge last year, she set a record for hits at the women's college world series. And she's been in the starting lineup every game, uh, practically since then for this season. And I believe right now she leads the ACC in hits with 36. So she's really starting to get in her groove as well, <clears throat> heading into the postseason and the tournament. And then of course we cannot talk about 2022 season without talking about Michaela Edenfield, her power um, behind the plate is really helpful this season since we lost Anna Shelnut um, to graduation last season. And Michaela has provided a huge power behind the plate. She has 16 home runs on the season right now as a freshman, three shy of Jesse Warren's 19 home runs. She said as a freshman, she's a little bit in a slump right now, which I think any FSU softball fan has noticed, but Luckily, her other teammates have been there to pick her up when she's been down in, in the batting. Yeah, I, I, I'm 16 and a freshman year is, is you know, I don't want to call it impressive. I feel like that's somehow also underselling it. You look at the team, they're ranked number three basically across the board uh, from every poll I could find. Of course, D1 softball's got me behind a paywall, and I'm not going to go behind the paywall. But that's fine. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll go number three across the board. Um, you look at their, their schedule uh, through the season, and it's – they, I believe they only lost one series, and it was to a fellow top three team in Virginia Tech, who, again, we'll get to in a little bit when we talk ACC tournament. Uh, you kind of mentioned it there, the, the the players know, and you really rolled through it. And I, and I want to really focus for a second on the circle. Obviously, it starts with Catherine Sandercock. What makes her so great? I think Catherine Sandercock, especially last year and this year, she's a really heavy drop ball pitcher. So she rolls the ground ball. She doesn't give up a lot of home runs or anything like that. She keeps it on the infield for her defense which the defense is the top ranked defense in the country. So she shines as well as her defense. And I think that's what really works for her. As you see them going to the postseason, do you expect them to, uh, you know, I've seen it a lot in the past with Oklahoma, maybe sticking with one pitcher and then letting her be the star. Do you think they'll keep that approach? They'll go with that approach. I know that it seems like they've got a ton of arms like they did last year. You see them still kind of mixing it up. I think, one of the things about our pitching staff is obviously led by Lonnie Alameda. She is on a different level, in my opinion, when it comes to pitching. She really knows how to use her pitchers and when to use them. So this entire season, I feel like Kat hasn't been – her numbers show that she's been getting a lot of the innings, but I think a lot of the high-pressure situations have come on Danielle Watson and Mac Leonard and Emma Wilson. So they're really holding Kat back a little bit this entire season, I feel like, so they can prime her to be healthy and ready and prepared for the postseason, while also giving Danielle Watson, Emma Wilson, and Mac Leonard those higher-pressure situations. And so they're ready for the postseason because Kocha, famous nickname Kocha, she knows that Kat's going to be ready for the postseason, and she knows that Danielle's going to be ready for the postseason because they've been there. While Emma and Mac... Emma got a little bit of time last season at the Women's College World Series, but this year, especially with Mac too, they want to make sure they're ready for the postseason as well. So they're really been trying to save Kat a little bit um, so she can be ready for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and, and the numbers across the board are, are 
just impressive. It really seems no matter who's on the mound, it, it's it's really worked out. I mean, Emma's the only one with an ERA over two and a half, and even then, it's only, it's only three and a half. So, I mean, as a staff, it's a one point nine. So, uh, if you do have to turn to the rest of the rotation, and, and like you mentioned, use them in those higher leverage spots, it, you've got the ability to do it and, and bring on solid people to where you don't have to throw the same look out there through a whole super regional series if you get to that point. I, I, mm-hmm. Turning towards the lineup, you mentioned a lot of the. A lot of the names I know last year was, um, I don't know. I don't want to, how do I say it? I, I guess it seemed like a struggle to score. It, it was like, yeah. they were going to shut you down. It was, could mm-hmm. they push across enough runs to win two, one, three, two, whatever it was. I mean, just yesterday you saw it. They, they pounded out seven home runs. It, it, what has made this lineup so different for this season? Um, I think last year, especially, they knew they weren't going to hit the home runs. They really relied on their base running and the small ball. And I think this year it's both. I think they know how to run the bases. They know how to play small ball. This weekend, we saw Josie Muffley lay down three bunts that drew the infielders in, and she reached all three times on the bunt. Um, so things like that, the bottom of the order, really pushing across the small ball while the Kaylee Mudd, she can slap, she can bunt, she can hit for power all of a sudden, I guess, um, <laughs> which has been really nice. We haven't really seen that much from her. So um, I think we're a really good triple threat in a lot of senses. So I think that's what's really worked for us compared to last year. It, you mentioned a lot of the names before Kaylee Mudge, uh, Sydney Sherrill just finished off her, her three home run game yesterday. Um, what, Michaela, what, what are the names that you also see as the ones to keep an eye on? I guess, including those outside of those, whatever you think, maybe if I'm just showing up, who do I need to know? I think Devin Flaherty's one. She kind of sits in the middle of the lineup, which I think is perfect for her. She doesn't really need to be at the top of the lineup, like the big names in Kaylee Mudge and Sid Sherrill. Um, she's batting 368 right now. She has 42 runs scored off of 60 hits. She has 11 doubles, so she has a pretty good sense of power. But I think her real threat is on the base pass. So Devin Flaherty is 22 for 25. She leads the team in stolen bases, and she's only been caught four times. And I think that's that aspect of our game that's really not as shown to the country. You know, we're now known for power again. We're now known for Sydney Sherrill doubles again. So I think being on the base path like Devin Flaherty is, I think that is a really big key. Um, Another one is Kaylee Harding. She's batting 301. She's also just now gotten up into the top of the order. She's batting 301. Um, She has 40 runs, um, 50 hits, and 47 RBI. She's um, a big power hitter. Um, she is slugging 584 in her 54 games started. And she's a little bit of threat on the base pass too. She's seven for eight as well as Sid Cheryl, who's seven for seven. Yeah. I, I look at it and the numbers that jumps out to me on the stat sheet is this on base percentage down the list. It, I, you know, it, I've, I've one, two, three, four, five, I'm looking at five or six names here over 40%. Um, Mac Leonard's almost at 50, she's at 48 and a half. I, and that, that is a, a crazy good production when you get those many people on base and you, and you talk about the, the bottom of the order being able to do the the small ball, the move people over. You've got some speed. You've got the ability to leave the yard. It, it, it gives you a variety of ways to win, game, win games, which is, I think, what they lacked a lot last year. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you asked touched on earlier is 
What makes us so good is our ability for players to come off the bench, whether that's the DP role. We've been seeing a couple different players slide into that spot, especially with Bethany Keene being out and Mac Leonard used to be in that DP spot, but now she's at first. So it was kind of that question of who's going to be a DP. And I think a couple players have gotten into that spot and really shined. One I'm thinking of is Amaya Ross, even though she's only batting 171, she has nine RBI and 16 total bases while slugging 390 on a team that has four or five players with a slugging percentage um, in the 500s. I think that's pretty good for Amaya Ross, who's a freshman. Chloe Culp, we saw her with that huge home run um, against Oklahoma State that really sealed the deal against the Cowgirls. Um, I believe it was the Cowgirls. Don't quote yeah, me. Yeah, we'll count it. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. if it's not, we can cut that out. Um, <laughs> but Chloe Culp, a big power off the bench. She's batting 152. A lot of the DP positions this season are in the uh, 100s but I think they come in clutch when they need to and that's really important I think in the deep DP spot you don't always need them to hit it out of the park I think the other eight players in the lineup are doing a really good job with that so it's how does that DP role come up in the clutch moments or how does that player off the bench come up in clutch moments and I think that's what makes Kocha and the rest of the coaching staff so brilliant is who do they plug in when they need to um, players like Chloe Culp, Amaya Ross and Hallie Waker case have been doing a great job of that yeah so a couple things one you've been talking about the, the speed on the base pass and am i am i a ross 10 for 12 mm-hmm. yeah that helps a lot too um and yeah i just looked it up um oklahoma state are you ready are you nervous at all do you feel you're conf- you're confident in cowgirls no because it is <laughs> and it's cowgirls yeah okay, okay. yeah there we go i couldn't fine. remember if it was that or florida but now that i'm thinking about it it was janai who had the walk off against florida <laughs> uh so we can shift now. We've talked on our team enough, and obviously they've got a pretty big tournament coming up, ACC tournament starting this week in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, team actually already on the way up there. They posted some pictures on Twitter from hanging out in D.C., which looks yep. like a great time, uh, <laughs> at least a little bit cooler than here in Florida. But they'll start their run through the tournament on Thursday. They're the three seed, which I honestly was kind of weird because I saw a lot of people on the Knowles News uh, article today we're complaining like how did we get ranked number three we're so good and i'm like well it's, it's how the standings fell and you just kind of yep. you just kind of fall behind the number one seed virginia tech who like i mentioned mm-hmm. before was beat you but they're number two ranked in the country and and duke who um looking at earlier played a lot uh i think like six fewer games than than florida state did they're also ranked in the top 10 so regardless you're if you're going to win the tournament you have to beat them anyway likely um, right. so what are you expecting at, at their opening with virginia i think it's 7 30 on thursday mm-hmm. night and then potentially meeting up with Duke in that semifinal game? I think with Virginia, we beat them three times earlier this season, and it's really hard to beat a team a fourth time. We found that out last year after we swept Duke, and they promptly beat us in the ACC tournament. So I think Virginia is going to come into this really hungry, looking to beat us. They already knocked off one game against Virginia Tech, so they know what it takes to beat a top-five team. Um, I think looking at their numbers, I did a little little bit of research on them prepping for the game. Tori Gilbert, um, Sarah Kuhn, they're their leaders right now. Sarah Kuhn in the last 13 games since they played Florida State, she's batting a 243 with eight runs and 10 RBI. So I think she's really finding her presence at the plate. Um, as far as pitching, it looks like Molly Groove has really taken on the last couple um, big games for them since they played Florida State. She's had 28 innings and 42 hits allowed with 27 runs and six walks to complement her 15 strikeouts. So I think the six walks is what um, Virginia really needs to get down, especially their walks, because Florida State, while they're a great hitting team, they also will take the walks and they will 
go deep in counts, especially Sydney Sherrill. So I think it's how do you keep Florida State off the base pass if you're Virginia? And I um, behind the plate, Leah Boggs is really good. She has a really good arm. So, you know, with Devin Flaherty and Kaylee Mudge, you don't want to be thrown out on the base pass from her. Now, I'm scrolling through the schedule now. I don't see Duke on here unless I missed it. Um, so they won't – if they do match up with Duke, they won't have that same familiarity. Um, right. Have you looked into them at all? Do you see anything there? So Duke somehow managed to get away from playing us as well as Virginia Tech. So they oh, had okay. A, so that, so that maybe that, that number is a little inflated. So they only played um, – in the ACC, it looks like, in terms of ranked competition, they only played Clemson, and they took two out of three from Clemson. They were – Notre Dame is now ranked. Um, they played them early in their season when they weren't ranked. And um, two games got canceled, and they lost the one game to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a really good team that we will see in the tournament. So I think Duke, they've added a really good freshman in Anna Gold. She's batting a three, uh, three, three, three on the on the season at three thirty three with 39 hits, 36 runs, 34 RBI. So she's a really good big threat as well as a 12 for 14 on the base pass. And of course, yeah, I don't think you can talk about Duke without talking about Peyton St. George in the circle. She's one uh, 64 ERA with 128 innings pitch. She by far leads their pitching staff in that category. Um, the next closest is Jayla Wright um, with 81 innings. So Peyton St. George really is their workhorse in the circle and she's deserved it. She has 30 walks on the season to 169 strikeouts. Again, St. George um, players are only batting on 175. So she really knows how to keep the runners off the base paths. And I pushed my luck there with Duke because I didn't ask you before if you were ready for that one. So I'll go one step further. Okay. Uh, Virginia Tech, you got anything there? I do. I, I did there a little preview on everyone in the, in the tournament. Oh, perfect. So Virginia Tech, um, in the last 12 games since we played them, they have swept Boston College, Liberty, and Louisville, and they took two out of three from Virginia, and they took a really big midweek from Tennessee as well. And Tennessee is one of the best teams in the SEC right now. So uh, Emma Ritter, who was, I think, the entire Virginia Tech um, batting order kind of wreaked havoc amongst us. But Emma Ritter, really, um, she's now batting a 389 in the last 12 games with 14 hits, 12 run, and 7 RBI. Meredith Slaw, who I feel like was on base every single time she came up to bat, um, was batting a 486 in the last 12 games with 18 hits, 16 RBI, and three runs. So she's really, really shined for the Hokies in the last several games. And Cameron Fagan, who's, who sits at the top of the lineup, she's batting a 4, th- 436 in the last 12 games with 17 hits, 13 runs, and five RBI. And of course, Keely Rochard has been there forever. She's finally a senior. Um, she has 48.1 innings pitched in the last 12 games with 41 hits, 22 runs, 14 balls, or 14 walks, and 78 strikeouts. And the freshman, Emma Lemley, who controversial third game for her that uh, got us the win, but she has 31 innings pitched, 23 hits, 8 runs, 11 walks, and 44 strikeouts. So she's a little bit... Um, Keeley is definitely the workhorse for that team, but Emma Lemley can definitely come in and provide some strength in the circle when the Hokies need her. Yeah, and you and you mentioned that they might end up matching up with Notre Dame or potentially mm-hmm. Clemson in that second in the semifinal, assuming they get through the first round. Uh, I do want to do a quick scheduling note in case you're planning out your weekend of watching the games. That Thursday game, Florida State, Virginia is 7:30 on ACC Network. A win there is Friday. They play 3:30 against uh, the winner of the Duke and. Uh, miscellaneous Georgia Tech or NC State, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. guess. 
Um, that's 3.30 ACC Network, and then the championship would be Saturday. Uh, that's a 1 o'clock first pitch on ESPN2. So in case you're planning it out that, to watch, that, that's your, your channels, your network. Go ahead and bookmark this podcast come back and find it. Or <laughs> I'm sure it's on the website somewhere. Uh, regardless of how they perform, you, you have to imagine being a top-three-ranked team that this is, this is going to be a regional and super regional host team. I do. Their RPI right now is three in the country, only behind Oklahoma and Virginia Tech. So I definitely think they will secure the the Super Regional as well as the Regional. Cool. Uh, you've been doing a lot of great work for us, and I'm sure that's going to continue into the into the postseason here. How do people follow your work? So um, my articles will be on Tomahawk Nation, and you can also follow my Twitter at OKGwen, O-K-A-Y-G-W-Y-N. Cool. Well, Gwen and I were talking about this just before we jumped on. We're going to kind of keep this rolling through the rest of the season. Uh, I know the the regionals and super regionals sometimes bleed into Monday, and, and so maybe it's not a Monday pod or a Tuesday pod, uh, but we're hoping to keep this going as long as they keep playing softball, and uh, we'll have that up for you as like a bonus episode. John, Max, and I will continue doing a, a normal SB uh, seminal wrap, I should say, on our Monday morning release, but uh, I think Gwen and I will be able to carry this going forward. So keep looking out for that. Obviously, follow Gwen on Twitter at OKOKAYGwen. Uh, and the rest of the team also going to be on TomahawkNation.com. You can't miss all of our stuff there. But, you know, Gwen, thanks for jumping on with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time.